Welcome to episode 15 of the Backpick Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Thomas. Today's guest is Chase Andrews of Stronghold Catching out in Kentucky. Man, Chase and I got into a lot of great stuff. We did talk some catching, but man, we got a lot more into the mindset of athletes, into coaching athletes, into how parents are dealing with athletes, and a real deep dive into youth baseball in general. I think this is a huge, huge episode for everybody, all ages, players, coaches, and parents. Hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, so as a uh, fellow, you know, business owner in this industry, um, I always like to hear inspiration, uh, you know, from guys on what what got you to the point where you were going to start Stronghold Catching um, and that was going to be what you were going to do. What made me start Stronghold Catching? Okay, um, I'll tell you what, Stronghold Catching, I've been working for like two years, two years nonstop. Stronghold Catching has been what I've done. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what started it, but I can tell you some, like a certain time when it really picked up some steam. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, let's see. Um, what, what was kind of like, when, when did you say, man, I, I want to work with catchers. Like, this is like strictly it. What I want to do. Uh, so 2021, okay. 2021, I finished playing ball and I went on the road as a, travel baseball tournament director and that's something that i it was it was supposed to just be work like that was the plan like i was going to do this for two months i just finished school and then i was going to go i don't know do something else baseball was done at that point but over that summer i watched like 400 baseball games literally hundreds of baseball games in cities all over the country these travel baseball tournaments and the catching was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw there, I was like, man, somebody, like, there's a need for catching, one. So that was 2021. And from there, I immediately started doing lessons. Um, and, it, and it just kind of fell in my wheelhouse. I really enjoyed it. And Stronghold started there. I was just working with players. And then I would take some videos and then put them up. And then after a while, that picked up a little traction. So I gave it a logo, Stronghold Catching. And then that picked up some traction and uh, yeah, now stronghold catching exists, but it started in 2021. I was just working with players and really enjoying it. It's awesome, man. Now I yeah. see what you're doing and, and you're doing a great job in, in terms of what you're doing with the guys, but then also creating some really cool content. So tell me Thank now. You. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Tell me a little bit of what uh, what is your your regular routine with guys? Are you working regularly with guys? Are you doing like just strictly camps? Give me an idea of what you what it looks like. Coming up, I have a five week program in Louisville, so it'll be once a week. I'll be with a small group. I like to run small groups, mm-hmm. very small, like four or five players. And so I'll work with four or five guys every week for five weeks straight, and that's pretty common or I'll have a small group of guys and I'll work with them a few weeks in a row. And then I'm, I'm adding some like two day camps and they will be the same thing. Something small. Um, I don't care anything for like a huge group of guys where we set up a bunch of cones and I blow a whistle. I don't care much for that. I would love to spend like three, four hours a day with a close group of players. That's, that's what I love to do. That's what I do. 
Love it. So give me the the initial, you've got a catcher for the first time. I always like to hear what's the kind of initial assessment of guys and what's the initial plan that you're putting together. You have a, you know, kind of a, a basic curriculum in a sense that you're starting with, or is it tailored to each guy or how does it work? 100% tailored to each guy. So if I get with somebody new, uh, for instance, uh, last month I went and I was working with a player in Texas and he was, he's like 15, 16, that area. And he's starting to be recruited by some, some large schools. He's very excited. He's very physical. He can really hit, but he's kind of unpolished defensively. And he was starting to go to like these bigger camps or bigger uh, showcases that he was being invited to after putting up a great summer. And these, these schools were looking at him, but he wanted to be more polished. So where we started was, um, something so simple as like, let's just, let's just catch fastballs off the outside corner and let's just, let's do that on our left knee. Let's do that on our right knee. Let's do that with different setups, different rhythms. And then from there, we'll just go. So I, I like to start with just one particular thing and just and go from there. Kind of simplistic answer, but. So I like what you said there, rhythms. Talk a little bit about that. You've got a, a setups that you're working with and then talk about different rhythms and what that means and what you're trying to communicate with that. Okay. What am I trying to communicate with different rhythms, different rhythms? I feel, okay, if you're watching a baseball game, or if someone's watching a baseball game and let's say they don't know anything about catching or catchers or what a catcher should be doing, they can still watch the game and something about a good catcher is going to jump out at them. Like people who don't know baseball can still watch a game and be like in person. They're like, man, that catcher's good. You can just kind of sense it. And I think that really begins with their rhythm as in, they give their sign, they're so relaxed, and then they settle into their stance. And there's a way in which a player does that when they actually are confident in what they're doing. So whenever I'm doing drills with players, I like to incorporate different kinds of rhythm. So instead of just having them set up on their left knee, let's start standing. And then as I'm feeding the machine, let's go down to our left knee. Let's start, and I could, let's start on two feet and let's drop down to our left knee, just for an instance. But adding in that rhythm... I feel like really starts to open up things for them because they don't, they don't, they kind of get to play in that way. Whenever we focus on rhythm instead of how you should hold your arm or something like that. So I approach it from that perspective. That's, that's how I view rhythm. I love it. And you know what, like hundred percent, you're right. And I try to tell guys this when you're getting scouted or recruited, you know, you may not get many balls in the dirt or you, you may not get opportunities to throw and you may not be able to showcase your whole bag, but you can showcase the feel and what you look like. So like there's even times in here that we're focusing on training them on how to throw the ball back to the pitcher because it's like, dude, that shows something. Having that rhythm, we catch right foot to left foot, you know, left knee down, right knee down, finish it back up into signal that creates some rhythm and flow. But it also showcases that you basically look like you know what the hell you're doing back there. And a lot oh, of times yeah. that's that's half the battle, right? You go hit two doubles in a showcase and you look like you know what you're doing back there. You got a chance. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of it as like the 
I think it's the the I don't know what you call him. The guy that's in front of the symphony with the stick. Composer. Who's that guy. The composer, <laughs> the maestro, whatever. Like the, he can push the rhythm of the symphony. Like he can get them going or he can slow them down. And when a catcher realizes their rhythm is that unto the game, like the pitcher is gonna operate on their tempo. So like let's say he's moving slow, ball one, ball two, rubbing up the ball, looking around concern trying to find the grip like sometimes the catcher can just pow, pow, pow. all right let's move let's move let's move and that can really impact the game their ability to just push it or the guy goes ball one ball two and he's like give me the ball let's go let's go let's go the catcher can breathe pat his chest come on you're good take a second and in that way they can entirely change the game with their rhythm like the the composer yeah it, this when a catcher realizes that the game starts to become something different i think that i, I want to go back okay so you have one of my favorite quotes in catching history oh boy yes yeah uh so it's either catcher con we're at catcher con in nashville shout out zam barstell he does an amazing job yep what are we talking 21 or 22 it was either last year or the year before there was a question that was like what separates great catchers pretty uh, vague, and you said something to the effect of they are addicted to like simply the feeling of catching a baseball, which sounds so simplistic when you think about it. Like, it really is true. Like, a great catcher is like addicted to the little part of the game to the point that they want to do it over and over and over and over and over. And we're talking about like the rhythm we're talking about, like the catcher being able to push the game. I feel like that level of baseball is exclusive to the guys who are addicted to it because the guy that is not thoughtless with their catching, like they can't reach that level, but the guy who catches so much that catching a baseball is just a part of them. Then they can, they've got enough brain space to start thinking about, you know, moving the game and controlling the pitcher's tempo and, yeah, so that was one of my favorite quotes. You have to be addicted to, like, the thankless art of catching a baseball. Well, it's, just, it's just the idea of, like, you know, and this I speak from personal experience. Is like, dude, like, when I was a kid, like, if somebody said, do you want to go play catch or do you want to go hit in the cage? Like, I wanted to go play catch. Like, I wanted to, <laughs> like, you know, like, I wanted to actually hear the pop of the glove. I wanted to feel the ball roll off my fingertips, throw that thing, like, that was like, to me, what was so incredible about the game. And I think that nowadays, and obviously we have social media that kind of glorifies a ton, you know, of, of what these guys, you know, quote unquote should be doing. But the idea is like the best guys that I have in here in the shop is like, they are just like, it's like if receiving's not on the board, it's like, dude, what? We're not receiving. You know what I mean? And then you have the guys like, we throw in today, we throw in today. And it's like, I want you to, I want you to want to throw and I want you to, to let it eat and have some fun with that. But like the guys who can really like, be like, dude, what pitch are you, what pitch are you throwing on the machine today? I'm, I'm pumped to, to catch whatever you got for me. That's, those are the guys that I know it's easy to work off of receiving blocking and throwing just are an extension of our receiving. Those guys that are addicted to catching a ball, man, like that's, those are the guys that have a chance. So like when somebody asked the question, how do I break in my glove? How should I break in my glove? My glove won't break in. Dude, I'm in the oh. same boat. Oh, what do you mean? You're not catching enough. It's not <laughs> and here's the other piece of it. 
relax. Like this thing is the most incredible piece to your puzzle here. Like, dude, you don't want this thing. If this thing was broken in in two weeks, it's a piece of garbage. Like, relax. <laughs> like, give it time to just do it. Oh, man, it's taking forever. Good. That means it's a good piece of leather. Let's keep working it. You know, the worst the worst thing that happens with gloves is the Christmas glove, right? Every kid gets a glove at Christmas. They go, yeah, I'm really excited to use this in spring. I'm like, hey, dog, season starts in four weeks. Like, we probably need to give that a little bit more time. So I always tell people, I'm like, dude, when your spring season ends, you know, buy a glove. All summer, all fall, you catch bullpens with it, and it'll be ready to go next spring, right? And you just, if you're a guy that does one glove a year, like, that's the time to do it. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Like, dude, go freaking play catch. Like, what are yeah, you talking like, about how to break yeah. it in? Yeah, like should, like, should I bake it? Should I wrap it? Should I... Hot water treatment. You shouldn't take it off your hand. Like Bro, this. Don't, it's self-explanatory. Don't, don't poison that leather with <laughs> okay. any right, substance. You're speaking from a place of like. Other than a baseball like, beater. Really, like you're a glove. Uh, it's incredible. I don't know, connoisseur, I guess. You're a big glove guy, I'm assuming. Like you, just, you sound passionate about this subject. Dude, I get it all the time. All, all these guys in here. I mean, we got hundreds of catchers in here. So it's like. Really? They're like Holy smokes. They're literally like, oh, got a new glove. I'm like, great. Like, you know, give it time. What should I do? Get a mallet, you know, bang, bang, bang. You know, you can throw a ball into it. We'll have like, you know, like I'll set up the the machine and like I'll I'll catch some off it. Just like like the machine's right here and I'm feeding, uh-huh. I'm just catching right on it, you know, just like popping a bunch um, to kind of help them a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, just like Rome wasn't built in a day. Like this thing's going to be, you want it broken in a certain way? If you just catch with it, it's going to break in the way that you catch the ball. And that's what's yeah. going to make it the way it is. If you've never walked around your house with your glove on, you're probably not going to make it. Bro, these guys <laughs> put their glove in their bag still. I'm like, dude, what is your glove doing in your bag? Well, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, I, when I was in college, I was that weirdo carrying my glove on the plane. Like, I mean, I ain't putting it down. You think I'm trusting you know, TSA with my glove? Like, hell no. Like, it's insane. Oh my god! Anyway, so the little things, the little things, the little things. But that's what this position is about, right? I mean, that's literally yeah. like what this position is, and like those those guys that are a little quirky and and protective of your glove. Like those are the guys that are going to be a little quirky and protective of every little detail on the field. Um, you, can, I know, you can trust the weirdo, man. You can trust the guy that's super weird. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure. It's the guy that seems like they're buttoned up is the one you got to really be worried about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I feel like when I'm in a group of – I mean, you, I'm sure you're part um, – like you, you, you're around, you said, hundreds of catchers, mm-hmm. hundreds of players. Over the mm-hmm. course of your many years, you've been around thousands of human beings, catchers. Watching them operate, I'm sure there's like a through line for many behaviors. Like you see the same behaviors pop up no matter what the group is, right? For sure. Oh, yeah. I feel like the guy, the kid that is unwilling to show like their vulnerability, like the kid that's like insistent on proving that they understand everything and insistent on proving that they get it and they've got it and they know exactly what I'm about to say. Like every other kid, like slowly kind of walls that guy off. The guy that looks buttoned up or always has to be buttoned up, like, what do you 
come on, be human. What do you, what do you just be human? Well, and I think that like us as coaches, like it's our job, like there's multiple times, like I'm trying to, cause I'm, I'm going to be authentic. So it's like, Hey, you know what? Thinking about this thing we did, you know, six, and I have some kids that I've had for like, you know, seven, eight years. And it's like, it's funny. We'll talk about like things that we did back in the past. And I'm like, man, that was really dumb. I don't know why I was thinking that, but at the time, that's what I thought. But it's like, even them just, you know, seeing me say, yeah, I don't think that was right. Like, let's adjust, let's move. Let's, and just the idea of like, you know what? I think I messed up by, by talking about this and that let's shift or whatever. But even just me, you know, exposing myself a little bit by saying like, I, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. You know, maybe I, I got on a guy and after I go, Hey, you know what? In front of the whole class, I'll say, Hey, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I, I, you know, was focused on something else. I took it out, you know, but just showing some vulnerability as a coach and too many times coaches feel like they need to be this, you know, perfect version that everybody follows. It's like, no, you just need to be real and authentic and allow them to do the same. Man. Good word, bro. Good word. I, I you sound like a masterful instructor, truly. Well, it's just it's people, right? I mean, that's the that's the problem. Is at the end of the day, like we're coaching baseball, but we're coaching people, and so if we don't understand, I mean, you know, I know that you're into this, and this is something that I, I'd love to hear your your take and dive into because I know you're very much into personal skills and you're and you're very get very deep on you know thought process and things like that and. So it's just one of those things where it's like, there's just too many times we're dealing with coaches and, you know, we're, we're trying to not be the, you know, end all be all right. We don't want to say like, Oh, you come to our shop. Like don't listen to anyone else. Like, no dude, like that somebody else might have something that helps you too. And we should take it in and evaluate it. But you have so many coaches that are narrow minded in the sense of like, dude, does that, that guy's telling you to do something. Does, does he know like what, what your favorite lunch meal is? Like, has he ever like sat there and said like, dude, what kind of sandwich do you like to eat? Or, you know, what do you do when you're not playing baseball? Like, you know, I mean, greatest quote, quote in the world I ever heard changed my life. I'm at the ABCA convention. Ken Revisa says, you know, players got to know you care before they care what you know. And it's like, dude, that's like a hundred percent it, dude. Like just make them feel appreciated. Don't make it be just in one place. Like my relationships with my catchers are outside of here too. Like, they got a question, text me something going on. I see something. I'm going to text them. I, I want them to know that it's a full-time deal. Yeah, man. I, I, I circling back, you talking about your willingness to be like, Hey man, I totally goofed this up. This is, I did this wrong. I, I read a, I read a quote. It said, um, humanity breathes in mistakes. I don't know who it's from, but it's something like whenever someone is willing to own it, it like, everybody else is allowed to mess up. And when they're allowed to mess up, then it's, well, who, you know, that's, that's a, that's a great place to be. You go, you know, playing, playing the game of baseball, you should, you should be able to fully accept the reality that you're subjecting yourself to failure, embarrassment constantly, consistently. And that shouldn't be like a problem. Like that's, that's, that's the beauty of baseball. That's why it matters is you can subject yourself to failure and essentially stick your hand in the fire and learn how to deal with the heat. And then you go into all of your life and there's nothing that burns you. Like that's the beauty of baseball. It really is. I'm, I'm envious of you that you got to hear Ken Revisa speak. I'm sure that was amazing. 
Oh, he was, yeah, he was awesome, man. It was so good. But yeah, no, I, I got, you know, I, I also, I coached for a guy, Doug Williams at the college of San Mateo. And, uh, he's a, a junior college legend out here. He's coached for, you know, almost 30 years. And, you know, one of the things he always talked about was, you know, a, a, a problem either becomes a problem of the past or it becomes a problem of the future. Right. And we accept it and understand it and figure out what's next. It becomes a problem for the past when we kind of push it away or, you know, we don't, we're not, you know, truthful to ourselves or understanding it, like it now becomes a problem in the future because we haven't addressed it and we haven't moved past it. And it's just that it's just, can you accept, you know, the failures and, and it's, you know, we're not talking about failures of like, you went zero for four with four strikeouts or you miss them. You know, it's like, dude, you didn't hustle and you let your teammates down and you were late today. And like, you know, all these little things that add up that again, you know, as cliche as it sounds, like we are trying to develop you as a human, right? And we're trying to to get you to a point where you're going to go later in life and be more successful because of the stuff that you've had here. So it's like, first things first, you go into the business world, you know, people are so afraid to fail. If you go into the business world and you do something and you forgot to call a guy and you go whatever, and you sit in a meeting and you say, you know what? I completely take responsibility for that. It's a hundred percent on me. Uh, it won't happen again. Um, I'll address it and make sure it's taken care of. Dude, you know how many people, if you're like a 22, 23 year old kid, you do that. You know how many like CEOs and, and sales managers, everything going to look at you and go, wow, that's because not many people have these experiences that give them that every normal student. Who's a 4.3 who sat in their dorm room and, you know, studied all day and worked a part-time job. Like, they weren't exposed to the things that athletes are exposed to. They never had to, they never had to own. They never had to own, like they never had to dive on that grenade. Like no. I messed this up and it affects everyone. I guess that's this. it. That's I, the biggest thing. It affects everyone, right? Like you failed your test. It only affected you that you failed your test. Right. I mean, you, you failed on the field or you failed to show up or you didn't bring it someday. Like you, it affected everybody that's around you. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And well, so said. talk You're a little about... bit about, talk a little bit about the, the mental process. Cause I know you do very much get into, um, you know, critical thinking and, <laughs> and processes and things like that. So how do you kind of incorporate that into some of your training in terms of talking to these guys about, you know, dealing with the, the emotions and, and, you know, productivity and all those sort of things that go on between the years. I'm glad you said that the emotions, um, Mental, the mental game is not a, a foreign term, but I rarely hear people talk about emotional intelligence and the emotional intelligence of a great baseball player. Uh, and that's something I work on with, through my, through my training, as I'm teaching a player, I'm, I'm hoping to develop their emotional intelligence, their ability to instead of getting washed away whenever the pressure of the moment fills them with doubts for them to be able to objectify those doubts and then take a deep breath. All right, I let's do it to be able, because without the self-awareness to realize where you're at, you're just a victim to, you know, how you feel, but until, but once you stop, and I know this from my experience, years and years and years of being uh, uh, like 
this is my potential. I performed here. And I never realized this gap was so it was it was a it was a it wasn't real this gap wasn't real i perceived this gap because i was so consumed with my failure but in reality whenever i realized the failure was teaching me or it could teach me if i just let my ego go like i don't need to be perceived as this guy that gets it i need to use these failures pay attention to these failures once i did that then the gap between where I was and where I could be was non-existent. And that's what I try and work with with players. So let's say we're blocking and the ball kicks off of them. They immediately hang their head and they go to the back of the line. Like they're never getting away with that with me. You are coming back up. You got to do this again. You have to. I'll hold up the bucket. Look, we got 60 baseballs. If all we do the rest of the day is help you figure this out, it's a good day. We're not done. Shoot another one. Kicks off of them. Shoot another one. Kicks off of them. Until they go, all right, it's kicking off of me because, and then once they've addressed it and they make an adjustment, then we can move on. But a lot of guys, I'll watch a practice and like a coach will have, you know, 30 guys. They don't really have time to hone in on one guy. That's why I love to do small groups, but they'll boot the ground ball and then it's, come on, figure it out. They're done. And then they, that's it. When in reality, how helpful would it be to address it right there? Why did you just mess that up? Let's get it right. So I incorporate the emotional intelligence aspect into my training by not ever letting a player take their failure and not build on it right there. We have to, if you just failed, we have to, we have to know why and we have to, we have to stay here. Because the failure hits and players naturally, like this is just a human instinct. Like I got to get away. I got to, I got to go somewhere. I got to avoid this thing that is embarrassing me. That is making me look bad in front of the tribe. You know, the human aspect. No, no, no. Stay here. Stay here. And I'm right here with you as the teacher. I'm right here with you. Like let, let's, let's talk through this. So that's how I incorporate the emotional intelligence into my training, which is what I, as you can probably tell, like this is what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm, definitely. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think we're, everybody is uniquely capable to serve in the place that they struggled the most. And I'm speaking as someone who struggled terribly, terribly. I think like my career was something like a science experiment. Like you, like it, you, you keep all the variables the same and you're looking for an outlier. And so my career was like, average 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 all of a sudden i'm performing at an incredible level back down average 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 and i could go back and look at that time when i played well and i was performing to my capabilities and other times in my life when i was fulfilled and really in happy with what i was doing like there were certain habits that i had and like in the science experiment i didn't have those habits i didn't have those habits i just Took, I had some faith and tried these different habits, these different approaches, and the, the success was undeniable. And then I let go of those habits, those approaches, and then it's back down to this uh, mediocrity. So I feel like I'm equipped to serve players who are capable of this, performing here, and feel like this is an, like a chasm. It's really not. It's just one or two small uh, changes in their approach. 
it, it, it could be that simple. And I, I, that's, so that's, that's what I do. I love it. And honestly, like I'm very similar in that where it's like, you know, I, I was almost too coachable as a player and like, you know, really was like really bought into everything, you know, like, Hey, I'm all team. Doesn't matter. I just want to win. I care about my boys. And I look back and I'm like, man, I should have had a little bit more of a, an ego at certain points in time to say, I need to fuck figure this out. I need to, to, figure out how to, maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Maybe I do do something. Right. But at the end of the day, it's just having those thoughts, you know, that are important. I'm probably a better coach now because I was that way. Right. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I can look at those kids that go, Hey man, I love that your team guy. I, you know, I love that. That's what you're about, but here's the deal, dude, you know, you're going to be on this team for this year and next year you're on another team. So what are you going to do to elevate yourself to get onto that team, play on that team and do that. Right. So that, like I said, I'm similar to you in the sense of like, I can look at the, the things that I know I could have done differently that would have made me a much better player and extended my career. But there's so much talk about like, Oh, he didn't do it at a high level. You know, he, Oh, this guy, he did it in the big league. So it's like, yeah, but the reality is, is that, the game came a little easier to that guy than it did to me. And so he might not be equipped to work with the kids that it doesn't come that easy to them. Yeah. So you, you're saying there's times when you have to tell a player like, bro, you should be a little selfish right here and you should try and work on you. Like you should, you should use this to work on you. You shouldn't. Or act that way. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing is like, I was like the guy that was like, okay, the runner's on second. There's nobody out, dude. Like get this guy over. Like maybe I'll drag bunt here. Maybe I'll do what I was going to do, whatever it took to help the team. The reality was like, dude, this guy's throwing cookies, like smash a freaking double here. Like go ahead and get yours a little bit. You know what I mean? And, (laughs) and when you, when you have that, that change a little bit in the mindset of like, I can be, you know, we, we tell guys all the time, you can be, cocky and confident when you're in the shop right when you're in here like and i ask you how you did you can say dude i smashed a ball i went four for four i did this i hose the guy great when you get back out there be humble but the idea is like i want to hear the the cockiness in here i want to hear like all the good stuff you did like dude you should have saw this play i made this was dope yeah dude tell me about it and when i ask you about your team don't get me wrong i want you guys to win and have success so when i say Hey, how'd you do this weekend? I don't care what your team did. I don't. I don't care that you guys, you know, finished, lost in the championship, whatever. When I say, how'd you do this weekend? I want to know specifically how you did this weekend. And I want them to start to think that a little bit more because now being around more players, the ones that are good, or I know that are going to be good. I say, how'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went, I went to six for 10 and I had two walks, uh, just missed one. You know, but then there's some that's like, how'd you do this weekend? I think I had a hit. Uh, I had a one in this game. And I think I can't remember how many at bats. They like look back at dad. Dad, how many at bats did I have? I had three. (laughs) And you're just like, dude, what are we doing? You know what I mean? So it's just that idea of like, I want them to kind of come in and, and be a little bit more selfish in terms of how they're talking about the game. Right. Uh, You could easily replace the words selfish and cocky with like just the ownership of their development they take they're responsible for their development they are like 
they are working towards something. They're not just at the ballpark. They're working towards something. I had I've had a few conversations with with some pro guys, some guys who've like just finished their career or guys who've been around the game a little bit and the 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 harsh reality is the game at the highest level like if you were to climb the ladder of baseball and you got to the top there's not some like you made it everything's easy there's not that <laughs> baseball at the highest level is cold you're here today gone tomorrow your career is fleeting no one really cares what you did what you do what you're going to do don't care and it'll keep going on when you're done, man. Don't care what you did yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's cold. You sprained your ankle. We got another guy. You ha- you worked for six years to get this spot on the double-A roster, but we just bounced a guy. We just signed another guy. You're back down to high A. Actually, shoot, sorry. That that fell through. We were, we're releasing you. We didn't have that much into you anyways. So the game is cold. The game is cold. Like, there's not some place where you reach it and everything is gravy. And I think that's something I carried is like, I thought if I could just get to a certain point, then I would be satisfied in myself if I reached a certain point. But there is no certain point. It, if you're not in the game now, if you're not going to your next tournament and seeing or, and, and, and able to derive some, from, some fulfillment from going to practice, from being with your friends, from getting better, from going to the ballpark, from playing, from going home and having a routine, from it, from creating habits that help you to be better. If you can't derive some from film, some fulfillment from that process, you will not be fulfilled with baseball. And I think people should know that there are people who have $10 million in their bank account who are on TV who are not fulfilled playing baseball. Like there's not a golden heaven when you get there, you've made it. Like you have to enjoy what like the process is so overused but like if you can if you can develop yourself and you can purposefully go into practice trying to accomplish something and work towards it then you can really enjoy baseball um i i think that kind of piggybacks on what you're saying about being selfish like yeah be a team guy but you're <sighs> You have being, to be being selfish doesn't something. make you not a team guy. You being a better version of yourself still makes you a team guy. I don't want you to oh, yeah. obviously care about your teammates respect. Like, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you're failing your teammates by not trying to make yourself as good as you possibly can. And I think that to your point is the reality is that the work never ends. You got, you made the team great. Now you got to get in the lineup. Now you got in the lineup. Now, now let's be all league. Right. Okay. Now I'm all league. Now let's go get a scholarship. Oh, great. You got the scholarship. Cool. Now, when you get to campus, let's make sure that we stay there. Let's get on the field. Let's get, Oh, you got drafted. Cool. Okay. You're in rookie ball. Now let's get to a, you get into the big leagues. I mean, talk about, you know, the amount of work that it takes to stay there and then maybe get a contract. I mean, it never ends, but again, if you can have the bigger picture of when you get out of college and you're an intern, you're working to not be an intern and then you get a full-time job and then you're working to move up the ladder and you move up the ladder and then you're the CEO. And guess what? There's a lot of freaking work for the CEO. There's no, there's no, you get to the top and you just chill. It's like those, those successful people, they are addicted to the process 
and they can't stop. That's why tech billionaires sell companies for billions of dollars. And then two years later, you see they've started up something else because they're just addicted to the process of what they're doing. I feel like it's it's more adventurous to set an intention and then just ride ride it out. Like go on the adventure, set an intention and go on the adventure instead. So like your intention is to become the greatest baseball player that you can be. That's your intention. Now just ride it out. And if you if you follow that intention, it's going to take you to some cool places. But if your focus is I want to be a I want to be this I want to be referred to as this. I want to be ranked in the state. I want to be you know the the uh the title, the status. If you pursue the status, it'll always fall short. I was kind of all over the place, but no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's just the idea of like you don't want somebody to you know, basically like hold your hand. Here's exactly what you do. It's like, no, nah, man, give me the compass. Like I might go the wrong direction a little bit here, but I'm, I got my compass. It's going to get me back and I'll, you know, kind of keep going. And I think it, it leads to the idea that, you know, the greatest thing that we can ever get is opportunity. And so many times it's just the idea of like, they, there's so much expectation of more. And it's like, dude, if you believe in what you're doing and, and what you're in your process of getting better, it's like, all you need is somebody to give you an opportunity. They don't need to guarantee you anything. They don't just give me an opportunity. And again, as we always like broken record, it, we go into the real world and all you're ever going to ask somebody for is an opportunity. Give me an opportunity at this job. I'm not going to let you down. Like give me an opportunity on that account. I'm not going to let you down. Like everybody is just about opportunity. And too many times we want the the handout, the idea of like, tell me exactly how to do this. Tell me exactly what to do. I know that I'm hitting 200, but like, keep hitting me third. I promise. I, you know, it's like, no, you had an opportunity, you failed, right? Now look back and see if you can get better and hope that that opportunity arises again and be ready for it when it does. Yeah, I could tell it, it's something very important to you that baseball skills translate over into the real world or the real world where your players are going. I imagine that is something very important to you. I mean, to me, it's, it's a, it's such a privilege to play sports because of everything that comes with it. And, and here's the other piece. It's such a privilege to have children that play sports. So you when kids? you are, no, I didn't I'm know. just saying okay. like, okay. no, like I'm parents. just saying as parents, right. Where it's like, you know, <clears throat> this is a, Hey, I'm, I'm having a tough time because Billy's struggling and like, you know, this and the coach did this. It's like, you realize this game is every single day giving you teachable lessons. Like if your kid's not playing sports, he's not around this. Right? It's like, you got to kind of figure out how to teach your kids a lot of things. This is literally handing you the blueprint. Like, dang dad, like I was really bad today. Well, do you think you've been working hard enough? I don't know. I could probably put in a little bit more work. Well, let's do that. You know, like, I don't know why the coach talked to me like that. Well, what do you think he was thinking? Why do you think that? You know, same sort of things that you're going to get into a situation, your boss is going to say something and you're going to be like, I want to tell this guy to F off, but like, I can't. And, and part of the bad part of the travel ball culture, most guys just leave. But guess what? When you're in that job and the boss says something and you got a wife and two kids and you, know, you can't just say, fine, dude, I'm out. Screw you. It's like, you're no, right dude, there. you, you got to figure it out because you got to put food on the table. So it's just a matter of like, this game is so, I mean, any game, any sport. 
I mean, any, any collective sort of a thing, it doesn't have to, it could be music, dance, you know, anything where we're, we're focusing on working together and, and do stuff. You literally have teachable lessons in every single day routines that it's like, you should literally be salivating when your kids are failing because you're like, yes, here we go. I get something to actually talk to them about and learn. If it's a perfect world, what are we doing? I mean, how are you going to make that person better? If then, as if you didn't, you know, it's like, that's a part two. Like if the parents are like, oh yeah, like, I don't know why he's not playing. And I don't know, like coach doesn't seem as, I'm like, dude, you're, you know, you're a lawyer. Like you remember when you were a clerk and you had to make everybody's freaking coffee? Like, dude, your kid's got to make everybody's coffee right now. And once he proves himself, he'll be a, you know, a, a paralegal and then he'll, he'll move up and he'll be, you know, a full-fledged lawyer. And then maybe he'll be a partner someday, but he's got to serve the coffee first, just like you did. Man, well said. Well said. We uh, haven't got into much catching today, but this has no, been freaking uh, awesome. Uh, no, so I had a kid one time, I had a parent one time who um, their kid had just started catching and they were playing on this travel team and they were the only catcher. And he's on the struggle bus because he just started and the balls are getting past him. And so he brings him to me, we start working together and, I, and he's building on some skills but he's still struggling because blocking is really hard and he has no clue what he's doing. We've only been working together for two weeks. And he said, the coach, and he comes to me and he's like about to break down. He said, the coach said, he's going to cut my son. Like he said, he said, they're going to have a tryout and nobody's spot is safe. And I thought, I said, Oh, this is awesome. Like, yes. And he couldn't fathom what I was saying. I was saying, sweet your kid has the opportunity to work through something around baseball like what are the opportunities here the he gets cut he comes back he works harder he he succeeds two years down the road when he's 15 what is that going to do for his sense of self-worth like there's an amazing opportunity here for him to be cut and embarrassed and come to you and learn there's an amazing opportunity here that you're always you're talking about you know when you're a you're down the road you work in a business an office if he has never done this kind of thing before bounce back and he's 28 he's got two little kids and he gets fired he has no reps at bouncing back he has no reps in picking himself up like this is an amazing opportunity for him to learn to pick himself back up. I hope he gets cut from his 13U travel team, and I hope he's heartbroken, and I hope he's embarrassed, and I hope you show him how to deal with it. Why shelter him from this embarrassment? Why shelter him from this? And I, I think this is a much larger conversation as far as parents not being able to realize when their own identity is being played out through their son. And that is a that's a much bigger com conversation, but I feel like as an instructor, someone who gets to work with players and parents all over the place, there's an undeniable, you can't run from it. Some parents are living through their kids and their kids are failing and they don't know why. And you have to, like, I, I've had conversations with parents like, hey, will you try this for me? Like, 
instead of coming up to me and telling me that your kid has confidence issues, what if you just watched and listened and took a deep breath? Like, what if, what if you didn't feel the need to explain to me why your kid is struggling? And what if you just trusted that we were going to work on something? Like, what if you let go as a parent? What if you let your kid have this? What if this just belonged to your kid, this baseball experience? What if it was theirs and you helped them? What if that, what if it was that? Not your kid is representing you on the 13U A team. What if it wasn't that? Could you imagine how much more enjoyable the ballpark would be? And I, I, I work with parents who like they, they, they run a stressful business. And then they get to go to the ballpark and they like the parents that they're around and they get to travel and they get to be with their family and they get to have these cool opportunities. But instead it like wreaks havoc on their, on their heart because they're anxious every time their, their son gets the ball. Like they, they, they don't get to enjoy what could be awesome. You could be hanging out at the ballpark with parents you like in a community you like being in, but instead you've bought into your kid needs to be something for you to be something. And that's a much bigger conversation that we're having on the catching Academy network right now. <laughs> well, but that's, I mean, the, the, these are the important conversations that people need to hear. Right. And I think it's the, it's the idea of like, you know, you have a, you have a player and you have adversity, right? So it's, it's going to happen. And the problem is, is that the parent wants to enter right here. They want to block the player from the adversity and the reality is like dude just just be on this side because it's going to happen what are you going to do to help them get through it and be on this side so if you're trying to get in the way and make sure and, and shield them from things it's like i mean they've got zero chance to, in this game or maybe even in, in to be successful in anything if they're not understanding that that's a reality and you go hey i'm here i'm gonna catch you when you fall Let's figure it out. What what do you think we need to do? And it's just a it's just a matter of you're exactly right. Don't identify, you know, through their play. You know, I identify through who they are, man. I mean, like when you watch them play, like do they love the game? Do they play with joy? Do they play with passion? Do they love the people they're around. That's okay to identify. You know, that's okay to be upset that you go, you know what? I'm tired of watching Billy look like he doesn't even want to be there or you know, he's not high five in his teammates. That's okay. Like that's, those are the things that you should be upset about, but he goes over four, four strikeouts. Make sure he wants to get in the car with you after the game and talk to you about what happened. Not like, you know, you always had the kid that was like, I'm going home with mom right. after this game. Cause I don't want right. to be in the car with dad, you know, after, after four strikeouts and, and leaving, you know, nine runners on base yeah. today. Yeah. I feel like a parent's relationship with their child should be so far above baseball i also i feel like there can be miscommunications as well like the the parent really wants to be a part of their kid's life and their kid has shown some interest in baseball so the parent is like diving in full force i'm going to get you all the bats all the gloves all their opportunities and but yeah like the the baseball should never be able to touch that emotional connection. Yeah. They're yeah. going to be a baseball player for a finite period of time. They're going to be They're your son or daughter for the rest of your life. So how is that? How does it, if we pulled baseball out of this, 
you know, what is your relationship with your son? If we pulled softball out of this, what is your relationship? And I have seen guys I've played with whose relationships with their fathers were completely tied into the game to the point that the minute that they stopped playing, they didn't really have much of a relationship. And so the idea is like build a relationship with your kids and have them play baseball. Don't, you know, utilize baseball to obviously enhance your relationship, anything that you're doing with them. But like anything they do, you should really be full forced, you know, into or at least hearing about or understanding. That's why you yeah. see, you know, like, you know, how many dads you're sitting there and, and getting involved. I, I think it's amazing when, you know, I, I always tell people I don't really have a desire to coach my own kids. When I have kids, I don't have a desire to coach them in baseball. I have a desire to coach them in other aspects because I want to be learning with them. I don't know much about soccer. I don't like it, but let me learn to like it with you and let me learn the game and the nuances. And I'll, and now we're building a relationship because we're doing this together, not because I'm telling them every single little detail of what they need to be doing. I like this analogy and I, I, I've kind of played around with it. I could probably develop it some more, but this metaphor. So like, This is far out now. Um, Albert Einstein, going down a different thought thread. Albert Einstein, his master work is what? Uh, e equals MC squared. Yep. So you got to follow me here. This is a radical thought thread. Dude, I'm e in. Equals I'm MC all squared. in. Okay, e equals MC squared. E equals MC squared represents what? The theory of relativity? The, the theory of relativity? That's a massive concept that is con like confined to this simple formula. But to get to that formula, like Albert Einstein had walls and walls of chalkboards and papers everywhere, probably stacks of papers this high, to get to this small, small formula. I think if, okay, imagine somebody was to try and figure out the theory of relativity on their own. And somebody just said, hey, man, it's equals MC squared that really wouldn't serve them very much because of all like a parent's job is not to say, Hey man, the answer is equals MC squared. The parent's job is to go to the chalkboard and start and like encourage the kid to like <sighs> go through all this work to get there. I think sometimes parents will see somebody who has worked really hard and puts out, like let's say they watch a they watch a video on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever of this player who smokes a ball up the middle and the caption is get the get the barrel in the zone early. They'll take that and try to like, hey son, get your barrel in the zone early. That's what you need to do. That's the answer. E equals MC squared. When in reality the kid needs them to like, let's go to the drawing board and work and let's work together let's spend time together i don't like parents are too quick to give answers I, i'll circle back I, like i said i could like that metaphor is pretty far out but you said no, something it makes, about, like, it makes perfect sense yeah here's here's the kid here's adversity parents wants to get here they should be here it's the same thing like the, they should be encouraging their kid to go for it not yeah not shielding them from failure just well, that's the thing to too. Is like, summarize. If you if you don't know the answers, that's okay too. 
And I think that's where it's like, you know, when you have kids that come in here, they're, they're sending their kids here because they don't know enough about the, you know, they all say, yeah, I coached him till he was 11, but it's far past what I know and whatever. Right. So it's like, then just let them have the experience of learning and then talk to them to the point where they're going to kind of teach you as well. Don't say, Oh, like, you know, coach was saying this and you said, you know, it's like, no, let them verbalize it to you. Cause a, now you're learning B they're going to be, you know, reinforcing what they learned by speaking it and, and basically teaching it again, but it's their experience in that regard and let them have the relationship with the coach. And like, you know, like I don't have, I don't let dad sit right behind the cage, you know, like we got a spot, you sit in the back over here, you can watch, but like, it's important that I have a relationship with your son or daughter that doesn't include you. Because again, if we're talking about more than sport, you know, I want them to know that they have a safe space and they can talk to me about other things. And that, and if they, if mom or dad is over the shoulder, you know, they, they don't always feel like they can. And it's just the idea of now it's their experience. It's somebody else in their life. That's going to help them when the reality is, is there's a certain point when kids don't want to hear what you have to say as a parent. It sucks to hear and it's painful for a lot of people. And I get it. I would understand that that's painful. But it's the idea that like, you know, if you want what's best for them, you kind of got to let them go build other relationships. The reality is because you're doing that, it's going to allow them to circle back because you trusted them to go and do that. But it's just a it's just a matter of like, let them have the experience and let them tell you about it. Let them verbalize it to you. Don't tell them all the time what they're doing or what they're not doing. Well said. Well said. Like, let them have ownership of it. Let them have ownership of it. Give them, give them the respect that you would someone. Yeah, you, like give them the respect of like privacy. And so, which I see why. I mean, I I can obviously understand why that's so challenging. I couldn't imagine like a parent. They book a hotel. They they fill up the the gas tank twice. They pay for food for a weekend. The kid struggles. They take them to two lessons. Like that's a major time and money investment to arrange all that and then pay for all that. And then to, and to then be hands off. Like that's hard. Like you have so much tied into their experience in the game. Like how can you be hands off? But I think once you realize like it is a total sacrifice, like it's just the nature of, it's the nature of it. Like you're making a huge sacrifice because your son or daughter, but your son is in this time period in their life, let's say 12, 13, 14, 15, where they're developing skills they're going to use forever. And baseball is a great place for them to develop those skills that they're going to use forever. So you're going to make sacrifices so that they can be in this environment to learn skills. Like you're making a sacrifice no matter what the result is. You're just, yeah. To be to to make that sacrifice is a is a I mean it's a valiant thing and then to be hands off like I trust you we've raised you we trust you and I think that's empowering for a kid I think uh, I get to work with a lot of players you know and I'll 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 watch their relationships with their parents and and there I I can recall one specific time where a a dad a dad came in. He dropped his son off and he came and he talked to me 
and he just talked to me like person to person. He wasn't talking about his son. He was asking me about my day. He was asking me some questions. He was curious. And then whenever he was done, he gave his, his son a hug, said, all right, I love you, buddy. He's a big boy. He can do it. And then he left. And then the kid like was you, he was like a, like a rabid dog. Anything that I said or did it, or like we worked on, he, his whole self was poured into it because it was his and his dad trusted him and he was going to prove his dad right. And then in, in, in the opposite case, I'll have a dad come and be like, you know, he's just, he's just started catching and he just doesn't have that confidence. The kid talks to himself the same way the dad talked about him. And now it's like to prove his dad right or to be successful would be to prove his own dad wrong. And a kid can't do that. Like they have to prove their parent wrong to be successful because the parent views them as incapable, irresponsible, not confident. Like that's such a hard place for a kid and parents don't realize they put that upon them when they could say, hey man, I trust you, make this yours. I believe in you. And it, look, there's a there's a very small minority of like really crappy parents right oh the reality yeah. is is that this all comes from a place of love right i mean it's they just want a hundred percent what's best for their kids and so they are just trying to figure out exactly what to do to do that uh, there's yeah. some fear there like am i doing everything could i do more you know so this is not a you know, it's not a negative to have that mindset of like, I want my kid to be successful and I want to do whatever it takes. But just like everything else, we can't do it all. At some point, right. we, you know, can lead them to water, yeah. right? Can't make them drink. Right. So it's the idea of like, hey, I, I got to be able to step back and let them fail and, and let them do those things. And at the end of the yeah. day, confidence is confidence is, you know, knowing the information. Tell guys all the time. When you have studied feverishly for a test, how do you walk into that test? I mean, your chest out, give it to me, teach, let's go, let's get this thing done. When you haven't, you're like, holy crap, and you're cramming five minutes before and you're trying to figure it out. And the reality is, is that's what athletes are doing. Man, I'm not prepared for this. I came into this game, this guy's throwing 90 and now I got to do this. The runner's on base, he can really run. You're not prepared. So your, your mindset has changed where it's like, when you've done the work and you're constantly doing the work, confidence is just a, a, you know, byproduct of that by just saying, Oh, I'm here. I'm good. Let's go play the game and, and have some fun. Yeah. So I, I feel like, like one last thought on how parents can facilitate that. I feel like they like it, it, it's more of a, instead of trying to teach their kids something, I feel like it's more of self work, like working on themselves. Like what if, what if a parent, had a hobby that they did at home or they were working on a project or they were working like what if your kid's attitude was just a reflection of your attitude and what if you what if you like showed what it was like to be fully prepared and what if it was and what yeah what if you just demonstrated through your actions how to be confident i feel like that approach would solve a lot of like the issues like just just whatever you wish for your kid let them see you doing it be the example 
I mean, that, that, that is incredibly well said and, and exactly the point. Like we spent an hour talking about all this. The reality is like your kids are going to be who you are. And that's like, you know, like my, I was fortunate. I, you know, grew up with two parents, like your basic all American family. Like they both had, you know, government jobs, but like they showed up every day. Like, so like, it's just ingrained in us as, you know, kids, it's like, you just show up every single day. You don't miss, you don't have anything. Like we didn't take vacations much. Cause it was like, we had stuff going on. Like you show up every day. And those are the things that like, when you create those examples, I mean, it, your kids are going to be a reflection of who you are, not what you say. Well, that's well just, said. I was, you, you, I, I, I like how you finished that. You started with like, like I do, obviously like a kid's going to, they're not going to be their parents, but they will be equipped with the tools their parents have given them or shown them how to use. Like that is undeniable. For sure. You get, yeah. you, that's a perfect way to say it too. Like here's all the tools, but like, well, I, I don't know. Okay. What do I do with them? You're like, Oh no, I know how to use that tool. I've watched my dad do that forever. And yeah. my mom does yeah. that. And like, Oh, yeah. I know exactly how to use that one. Right. But like, yeah. you can't just give them the toolbox and be like, Hey, you know, you go work yeah. super hard. I'm going to sit back here and just chill or like, yeah. you know, I'm not doing my part by providing for the family, but I'm expecting you to be better. Yeah. But yeah. the toolbox, like think like tools in the toolbox are like, don't quit, show up. Like those are the tools that, yeah. Yeah. Dude, when all else fails, just show up. <laughs> well said. I mean, just it's really up. like, it's just really like that much, right? Like just show up. And, uh, I don't know where I heard that. I heard that somewhere, but that's just a matter of like, just you keep showing up every single day. You're going to get better period. Yeah. I've heard it put like the fishermen cannot, the fishermen can't control the fish, only the presence of their line. Like you got to just have your line in the water, bro. Just get your line in the water. I love that. You, don't, you can't control the fish, bro. But if you got to get up, you got to pack the tackle box, you got to tr take the truck, you got to walk out, you got to put the bug spray on, you got to do all these things and just have your line in the water, which is, I mean, easier said than done. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think that's really the nature of baseball, you know. Um, you're talking about opportunities earlier. Like you just got to ask, for, you just want an opportunity. I feel like opportunities come to everybody. Your opportunity is coming. Whatever it is, like you're going to get an opportunity. And for some people, the opportunity hits them, gone, just like that. But other people, like they realize it's not their job to complain when they don't have the opportunity. It's their job to be ready when it comes. And to be ready when it comes is like the equivalent of like you got to pack your lunch. You got you to gotta pack the tackle box. You got to put on the bug spray. You got to put gas in the truck. You got to show up. Like the baseball equivalent of that is like you got to sleep. You got you to gotta set your clothes out the night before. You got to get up. You got to have a good breakfast. You got to have these habits that when the opportunity comes, when that pitcher misses with his fastball in the eighth inning and you guys are down one and there's two runners on base, when that opportunity happens, you either foul it off because you're late or you have done everything you can and you crush it. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't, if you haven't been doing the right things if you haven't been showing up then it, it passes you by and the too many people don't take responsibility like 
oh, I just missed it. I was like, it was a bad call. It was no, you you should have showed up in a different way, in more in a different way. And now let, let's start. Yeah, you just gotta gotta get your line in the water, bro. Love <laughs> it. I love that. And honestly, like it's it's the same. You know, we have right now we have a wait list to get in and, it, and it's like, I get a, you know, an inquiry on the line and it's like, Hey, uh, you know, he's, he just got this opportunity to go catch for this team this weekend. Like, you know, he needs some work and it's like, well, uh, I can't get him in. I have a wait list because the people, the reason we have a wait list, because the people that come, they come every week and they don't give up their spot because they're like, they might be the starter. They might be next in line, but they're showing up every day to go when the opportunity comes, I'm going to be there. And you are now basing your preparation on the opportunity that has already come. So now you have an opportunity. Now you want to work like you are who you are. I can't change you in three days. Like you are who you are. Go out and be who you are. But at the end of the day, it's the process of just do it every single week. Good things are going to happen when your opportunity comes. Run with it. Yeah. I think one of the most te- like that we're talking about those tools that a parent can bestow or like a tool that you just want to have is the ultimate tool in my opinion. And it's faith. Like you have to have some degree of faith. Cause you're talking about like those guys who show up every week and they train, like there's no immediate feedback for that. Like they're not, they're not going to show up and train for three weeks. And then all of a sudden a scholarship is going to fall out of the sky, but they're going to train with the faith that it, that their opportunities coming. I feel like that faith is what makes your work eventually come to life. You do the work and you have faith. It's going to matter. Like that faith is important. Hey, here's the other piece of that. You might show up every single day and the scholarship still may never come, but you're True. going to be better because you made the best version of yourself. Right. And then it's like, okay, what's next? Uh, division two, II, division three, junior college. I don't know, but I'm not done. And then you're just going to keep on looking for your opportunity, but you're not guaranteed anything in this world. And it's just a matter of though the idea you show up every single day, the game will reward you in some way, shape or form. You just don't know what it is. You think it's, I want a division one scholarship, but then you go play for a D three team that goes to the college world series. And you're like, what an incredible experience. I wouldn't have traded this for any division one opportunity. Like, you know, you just don't know how it's going to be presented to you. But if you just continually show up, good things will happen. I can guarantee that they just might not be exactly the way you see them. Yeah, I can I can share my own experience with that. When I was a freshman in college, I had all these high hopes. You know, I was going to I was at this school that had a long history of draft picks. I thought, ah, I'll be here, ball out, get drafted. Um. I was so far off, but one summer I got sent to Owensboro, Kentucky, and it was the dog days from the beginning to end. Dog days, horrible. Slept on a mattress on the ground with like seven dudes. Um, bad field, bad ballpark, bad organization. Horrible summer. I'm 18 years old. It was just, it, but survived it. And I remember leaving, thinking I will never step foot in this town again. Owensboro, Kentucky. I go and I play another season. I ended up transferring. The first call is a teammate from Owensboro, Kentucky. Hey, man, you ought to come play at Kentucky Wesleyan. And I had a few other offers. And I I was like, no way. And 
just something about the – it just drew me. I could just feel it. And I remember my mom and I were on the back porch, and I was so diff- – I was so split. Like, should I go here? Should I go there? What should I do? And she's like, Chase, which one is the right answer? Or which one do you feel in your heart is right? Right now, you're making this decision. And I've been tossing it around for a week. And I was like, Kentucky Wesleyan. And he's like, yes, that's it. Done. Small school. All my expectations were I was going to be at this one school and succeed. And I had all these high hopes. And, uh, yeah, so I, I go to this new school. And uh, fast forward three years, I've started the business that I love to do here in this town. I met my wife. I'm married now. And all of it came through baseball, my experience with baseball, in and around baseball, the people I met. And it, the, the thing that I wanted so bad, get drafted, I wanted that status, you know. The thing that I wanted so bad, had I have gotten it, I would have been miserable. But the things that I got in its stead, the connections, the, rela- the lessons, the relationships that now I get to use every day, those fill me up and I'm so excited that, you know, sometimes we don't get what we want, but just to, you know, baseball, baseball is, is, is if you use it as a vehicle to get what you want, you'll be dissatisfied. Even if you end up getting what you want, I truly believe that. I think there's guys who want a division one scholarship and they're talented and they get it. And they want to get drafted and they're talented and they get it and they want to move up and they're talented and they get it and they're still not satisfied. But I think people who use baseball as a vehicle to grow their faith, they leave the game with more than they could ever hope for. It's, I think that's really cool that the same game can be played by two different people and they can be playing a different game entirely just based on their perspectives. That is one of the things that really keeps me coming back to baseball more and more and more and more and more. And, and like the, like when I'm, when I'm working and I'm, I'm trying to get a new project off the ground, I don't care if it succeeds or fails because I know that it's not about how many people show up or how much money I make off of it. If, if my heart's in the right place, the, whatever I get out of it will be cooler than my expectations. So, yeah, man. And it's, I mean, it, and I get frustrated when guys quit, right? Because they'll, they'll quit based on the idea of like, I don't know if, you know, I'm kind of like D1 or bust or like, I'm not liking this or that. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't understand the experience you're having right now. And it doesn't matter if you are at LSU or you're at Kentucky Wesleyan or you're at, you know, some small little whatever, like the experience that you're, you're having of, literally waking up every day and going attacking something with your boys. Like, dude, like I miss that every single day. Like that's not even the game. That's the idea of like, Hey, I'm going to go see the guys today. Let's figure out how to get better. We're going to go attack this. And the other piece that's massively important is, but minus we've already talked about all the life lessons, the game itself is going to prepare you with, but like the network that this game creates, you just said it perfectly, right? Like, crap, I was leaving the college. I needed somewhere to go. I went to my network and it's like, I have uh, probably told this story on this podcast, so I might be repeating myself, but it's like, I have like three of my really good friends. Like we're a little four, foursome of golf group. We go play golf all the time. Right. 
And on a, on a very base level, they're just three of my best friends. We love hanging out and playing golf on a personal, uh, professional level. One is my business partner. One is my real estate agent and one is my lawyer. And it's like to have that trust in people that you are going to be utilizing and need. I mean, massively important. I can literally, anybody can say, Hey, do you know a guy who does X, Y, or Z? I can pretty much always find somebody in the network of baseball that can help. And those things are so under talked about, like undervalued the, the network. When you get into the real world, like your network is so massively important. I mean, that's what LinkedIn was built on was like creating yeah. a network for you to try to figure out how to be successful and advance yourself. Craig Albernez, Craig Albernez, someone that I admire, a co the San Francisco Giants catching guy. I'm assuming he's still there, right? I had the, 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 the joy of, of conversating with him. And I was like, man, why? Why do this? Why? Like, why does this matter? You know, you're in our, in our case, we're grown men who are passionate about this game, specifically this position where somebody straps on a plastic cup over their nuts and goes out there <laughs> and catches it, catches a ball with who a dead cow. Who the hell cow. signs up for that? Huh? We're a bunch they of weirdos. Catch a, huh? They catch a ball with a dead cow on their hand. Like, why <laughs> do we care about this? Why does it matter? And Craig gave me a great answer. He said something to the effect of, I want to help guys. Uh, or First, he said, I want to win a World Series. He said, I want to win a World Series. I want to have this incredible experience. He said, I want to help guys move up. He wants to help guys take care of their family. People change their, their family tree with baseball. That's true. And then he said something to the effect of, there's just like, just there's nowhere else where you can make the same kind of impact. Like you're not going to go make the same kind of impact. You're not going to have the opportunity for impact like you do in baseball. Like if you're in a, if you're in an organization with 50 people, that's a small, you know, that's a small organization, whatever you're in an organization with a ton of people. Like you're just going to, like you're going to have young guys coming up who are looking to you. You're going to be able to learn from older guys. You're going to have the connections that are going to help you in life. Like, Baseball, like you just nowhere else are you going to be able to have the same kind of impact. And yeah, so shout out to Craig, very eloquent, beautiful answer. I think he just ripped it off the top of his head, um, but I found great value in that. In that moment, that was very cool. Yeah, he's the man. He is. Uh, he is scheduled to be on the podcast. A little, uh, little yeah. breaking, breaking, breaking news here on the uh, Back Big Podcast. Um, but yeah, he's There's a layup for you, the alley oop for you. He's uh, absolutely and and again, you know, he is just a top notch dude. And when you meet the the guys that are usually the best at what they do, you know, again, they are they are more about the people than they are the actual game itself, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, I had a yeah, um, uh, Ethan Goforth. I don't know if you got to meet him. He's in the Pirates organization. He told me the further I get into baseball, the less I care about baseball. And the more I care about people, okay, that's beautiful, man. And no, it's totally. resonated. Oh, it's resonated a hundred times over. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't even like baseball that much anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm around it so much. The guys always tell me like, Oh, did you see that thing? Like, dude, I don't, I, I mean, I, I love catching, 
like I'm very passionate about catching. So like for me, my like watching of baseball is like, I just, we're so lucky the position we teach that the camera's on the guy we love the whole freaking game, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is the idea of like, I love catching, but like, you know, I, I really like, I tell people all the time. It's like, you know, if you're a lawyer, like you don't go home and watch law and order. And if you're a doctor, (laughs) you don't go home and you watch ER. And like, so I don't work, you know, eight, 10 hours a day in the shop to then go home and, and watch more baseball. You know what I mean? Actually, I was actually pretty afraid you would ask me some kind of question about like, Hey, did you see that new call up? The new guy that's catching for such and such guy just got called up. Cause I would like, I don't know. No. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, yeah. But all right. You so up, yeah. We've, about uh, people, not baseball. Call yep. Them. All right. We've, uh, we've, we've, uh, gone longer than I normally do. So we might have to, maybe we have to cut this in half and do a little two-parter here. But anyways, last question I always ask if you've listened, you know, um, I'm a foodie. So I like to know where the best places to eat are. And I like to know them around baseball places. So I ask every guest, you got to give me your favorite place to eat along your baseball journey, whether it's where you are now, maybe it's somewhere you played summer ball, whatever. You got to give me one place that sticks out. Oh, bro. Okay. So I did some summers in Indiana, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one summer in Indiana. And Indiana is a, it's a, this, this town I was in, terribly small, terribly small, but there was this one restaurant It had no business being there. It was so good. I ate there every single day, um, before the games, uh, trying to think of the name It's green, yellow. They have the commercials with Patrick Mahomes. Subway. Subway. You dropping Subway right now? This for real? Are you messing with me? <laughs> Your answer is Subway. <laughs> no, bro. No. <laughs> Killing me right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't that. Yeah, I'm messing with you. Goodness. Jeez, <laughs> you got me nervous. I was like, holy. Man, this guy just this guy just went deep into conversation about emotional intelligence and now he dropped Subway as the place to eat. Uh, all right. Yeah, Owensboro, Kentucky's famous for uh barbecue, moonlight barbecue. There you go. Moonlight barbecue? Moonlight barbecue is famous. Yeah, you gotta clear up the rest of your calendar though, because you're gonna be hobbling. There you go. <laughs> so where how far is Owensboro from the, the you know, what's the biggest city near? Uh, Owensboro's pretty big. You're two hours from Louisville. You're two hours from Nashville. Oh, nice. That's some good yeah, cities yeah. to be around. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, love it. Yeah, Thank you, man. I truly appreciate your time and being on here. That was, Thank I you. Mean, honestly, like, you know, we, my game plan surrounded more around catching, but uh, this is the stuff that's super important that, that people need to hear. And I was pumped yeah. that we got to dive into yeah. way more of that. Yeah, on the off chance that there's someone who has been listening to this absolutely awesome but long podcast and you've made it to this very moment. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the appreciate listeners you guys. out there. Yes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yes. Wish hey, you yeah, best of luck. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you. Got a good thing going on here. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. I look forward to seeing you down the road. For real. Thanks, man. Yeah. Take it easy. If you enjoyed that, be sure to like and subscribe. We'll have a new episode for you every single Tuesday here on our YouTube channel and wherever you listen to podcasts.